0: Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, if you got it, say, "Mm mm-hmm. You always say, "Mm mm-hmm, when something is good. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not, or our battle is not, against flesh and blood. It is not against your husband or your wife. We should just stop right there. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Father, have your way. Let no flesh glory in your presence. Father, because we want to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit and let he that has an ear, let him hear I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. We all said? Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them it's time for war. Then you can be seated. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a fight where it started off fair? In other words, there was an understanding. It started off fair but somewhere in the middle of the fight, the rules changed. You ever been in one of those fights? You know, where at the beginning it's like, all right, toe-to-toe, let's go. All right, come on, let's do it. You want to do this? And hey, hey, let's go. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're fighting, you're going at it. But out of nowhere, in comes his friend. Boom. Like, oh, you know, what do they call that, a side shot or, you know. Sucker punch. They come and just sucker punch. Hey, hey, hey. Oh man. You know, and then someone else has to come up. Hey, come on. No, just them, guys. Just them, you know, and trying to do this. And then while everything's going on, that guy brings out a knife, and you're like, "Oh, hey, hold on. And then another guy brings out a gun, and you're okay, hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. It, what happened? It started with this, and it went way beyond the lines. It started nice. It started easy, and then somehow, somewhere, It just went beyond out of your control. You ever been in a fight like that? You ever been in a spiritual fight like that? Where it started nice, like, no, I I got this, I got this. You talk to your leaders, you talk to your pastor. No, 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 I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm all right. Pastor, I'm good. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're like, "Wait, wait, 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 hold on, wait, it started fine, but so when did the rules change? This isn't fair. You're not supposed to go after family, that's unfair. That's crossing the line. But one thing that you learn in spiritual warfare is that with the devil, there is no lines. He doesn't care about lines. There is no lines to him. It doesn't, everything is off limits, or, or should I say unlimited to the enemy. He can just do whatever he wants. That's how he thinks. When you get into a position where all hell breaks loose, the rules begin to change. Now, When you first get into that fight, what actually even starts the fight is somebody says something to somebody else that demeans someone else. That's usually how fights start. Right? Somebody calls you something. Hey, that uh, him, he ain't nothing but a punk. What? Like, oh no, you didn't. You did not just you did he just did she just call me she just called me that word? He just said that about me? All like all of a sudden, because something started with what he said or what she said begins to stir up something inside of you. And then after that, words get exchanged like, oh, you want some of me? And what that really is is it starts with the word, and then it continues on by trying to demean the other person's will, breaking their will. Oh, I'm going to get you. And what happens? Especially this happens with guys. I don't know, girls, but but with guys, what do they do? They take off their shirt because they want to show you something. You want some of this? For whatever And I'm talking big guys to small guys. It's just like a guy thing, like, oh, what? Like, and he was like, uh, excuse me, uh, can you put your shirt back on, please? Because we want to show you what I'm about to do. I haven't done anything, but I'm going to show you what I'm about to do. And then after that, then when the fight goes on, with somebody who really wants to whoop you or beat you or even kill you, They not only want to beat you, but they want to beat your friends. And they want to beat your family to, to, to show you don't ever mess with me again. The Bible says that the thief or the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you look at that, that's actually how we even have fights. What does he do first? First, he wants to steal your identity. So what does he do? Oh, you are nothing but a punk. Wait, wait, I'm not a punk. That's not what my mom named me. This is my name. My name is Steve. No, 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 you're a punk. Oh, what? I'm a punk? You're a loser. I'm a loser? You're no good. I'm no good? You're a horrible husband. Man, I'm a horrible husband? You're a terrible father. I'm a terrible father? He wants to steal your identity. Then after he wants to steal your identity, he wants to kill your will. To where you don't even want to fight. He hasn't done anything. He just wants to kill your will to fight, because if he can kill your will to fight, you won't even fight. All he does is really just take off his shirt and say, "Look at, look at how big and bad I am. I'm the prince of the airwaves. Look at what I can do." He Hasn't done anything, but he just wants to kill your will. And then after. After all is sitting down and you really start getting into the fight and say, okay, I may be fearful, but I'm going to get involved. But after that, what he really wants to get you is he wants to destroy, not just you, but he wants to destroy your legacy. And he wants to destroy your future and destroy your purpose. Because without a purpose, the people will perish. There will be no need for you and I to fight. See, here this morning, I want you to know something. We are in a war, a war for your soul and a war for your destiny, a war for your future and a war for your present. And this war for your present comes from your past. And if you are not aware of the warfare, then, my friend, the enemy has already won. Because if he can steal your destiny, then what purpose do you have of even breathing on this planet? He stole your destiny. He stole your purpose. There is no purpose. But I want you to know something here this morning. Each and every one of you that are sitting in this building, you've got a purpose. You have a destiny. God has given you something great. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. God is doing something awesome and powerful within your life, even when you cannot see. One of my favorite movies has to do with a man who is trying to figure out the invisible from the visible the things he could not see to what he could see. And it was a battle each and every scene for him to understand that what he could not see controls what he can see. Every scene was about his mind trying to figure out what is really going on. This doesn't make any sense. How could this even be true? And so every scene was him trying to figure out what's taking place. Because what I see with my natural eyes seems to not be working here. So when I jump into the invisible or things that I feel like something it really doesn't matter, I come to find out, man, that's actually what matters. The movie was called The Matrix. You guys ever seen that? The matrix, him trying to jump back and forth and here to there. What's a control? And see, it's the same with you and I until we understand that what's in the invisible controls the visible. See, there's a war that is going on even right now that you and I cannot see, but there's a war going on. There's a battle going on. See, some of you even right now after service, you're battling. Should I go over to his house or should I not? Should I go, should I call her or should I not? Should I tell off my boss tomorrow or should I not? Should I divorce my husband or should I not? Should I put my son in his place and let him know who the father is? Or should I not? There's a battle going on. Should I cheat this? Should I cheat that? Should I go over here? Should I do? There is a warfare each and every moment. Even right now, some of you are having a warfare. Should I even have come to church or not? Some of you are having a warfare. Should I come to church next week? Well, I don't like her. Well, I don't like him. Well, I don't like this. It's too hot. It's too cold. And there's a warfare that's even going on right now in your mind. But one thing I've learned about war is that war always does something from the inside out. Ed Welch said this, I like this. He said, there is a mean streak to authentic self-control. Self-control is not for the timid. When we want to grow in it, not only do we nurture an exuberance for Jesus Christ, we also demand of ourselves a hatred for sin. The only possible attitude toward out-of-control desire is a declaration, listen to me, of all-out war. There is something about war that sharpens the senses, You hear a twig snap or the rustling of leaves, and you are in attack mode. Somebody coughs, and you are ready to pull the trigger. Even after days of little or no sleep, war keeps us vigilant. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, this is very important because a lot of times whenever we hear the scripture, we think, okay, if I get violent, that means I got to get mad. I got to get angry. I got to have this weird face that I don't normally make, but it makes people think that I'm in war. Ah." And really, that's not violent at all. I've seen some of the biggest, most strongest men being taken down by the smallest, most insurmountable, what it seemed like, spirit. A small spirit. Because they could not understand what it means to have the violent take it by force. See, and especially in today's day and age, as I as I scroll through Facebook and I scroll through Instagram and I see all these, these posts about this and these posts about that, and listen, I want you to know something. Everybody thinks, oh, we're fighting against Donald Trump. We're fighting against Hillary. We're fighting against the politicians. We are not fighting against other people. We're not fighting against Muslims. We're not fighting against B- uh, Buddhists. We are not fighting against atheists. We're not fighting against politicians, my friend. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a war for our souls. It is not against other people but it is against the principalities of this dark world and until you understand that you're really not going to know how to war you're not going to know how to battle you're going to think well I'm going to battle by gossiping about her and you're going to lose the battle well I'm going to battle and I'm going to go handle it like a man with my fist and you're going to lose the battle because you think that's how to war but my friend actually the war that is going on right now is the war from within There is a battle that is taking place even right now within from our own selfish desires. We need to get violent against our own lustful desires. The lust for food, the lust for money, the lust for the praise of men, the lust for the approval of others. We need to learn how to battle against our own desires. Not other people's, ours. The battle that you fight every day See, some of you, you made yourself a battle on January 1st, and you lost a battle January 2nd. Isn't that true? I made a resolute. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work out. You lost the battle because, it wasn't a big deal. Well, the battle that I'm talking about is a very big deal. I'm not talking about that kind of battle. I'm talking about the battle for your soul. The battle where your flesh tries to take over, where your spirit needs to be stronger. See, this is where you and I, now listen to me, because I understand where Victory Hour, Return of the Bay, where we're at. We're in a battle right now for our children. We're in a battle right now for our children. We're in a battle for what's going on in our high schools and our junior higher, and our colleges and our universities right now. We're in a battle, are we not? There's a battle that is taking place. And if we do not understand the weapons of the battle, then, my friend, we are going to lose this battle. See, you and I must understand that this battle is a specific one. A few years ago, we had a preacher come behind the pulpit, and I like what he said. He said, spiritual warfare is not power against power. It's the truth against the lie. And when I heard that, I said, oh, man, it just kind of opened my eyes and opened my ears a little bit more, because that is that, my friend, is the truth. It's not against my fist, against yours. It's not how smart I am against your smarts. No, my friend, it's the truth against the lie. John chapter 14, verse six, verse six said, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and a father of lies. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, for what the law was powerless to do and what it was weakened by the sinful nature. Verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you. Verse 12 of Romans chapter 8. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Somebody say obligation. Obligation. Somebody say obligation. So listen to these words after the obligation. This is very important if you're a Christian. If you're not, then we need to talk about what's before obligation. But right now, if you're a Christian, let's talk about what's after the obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. In other words, before you die... Kill yourself. Kill that sinful nature. Kill that thing. Man, I don't want to go hurt him. No, kill that. You don't want to hurt nobody. Matter of fact, you think you're going to go hurt them, you're really hurting yourself. Oh, I'm going to go tell her off. Kill that. I'm going to go give her a piece of my mind. Trust me. Believe me when I say this. You ain't got enough pieces to spare. Keep it. Keep that peace of mind. Turn that peace into peace. That's what you need. But far too often we do it the other way around. No, first I'll do it, and then God will forgive me. No, you're living according to the sinful nature. That's not how you do things. You need to understand that you are in a war. Somebody say a war. See, the only foothold that the enemy has in our life is our flesh and our sin. Nobody ever goes to hell because of Satan. I'm going to say that one more time. The only foothold that the enemy has in our lives is our flesh and our sin. Nobody ever goes to hell because of Satan. The only reason we would go to hell is because of sin. See, it is much more important than fighting Satan is fighting sin. That's much more important. see, we're all far too often. Oh, we got to kill the enemy. We got to kill the enemy. We got to kill the enemy. No, you got to kill the enemy within. It's called sin. Kill that sinful nature. That thing that is up late at night, flipping through the TV, and all of a sudden, whoop, it pops up. Where'd that come from? It's appealing to your sinful nature. When that person cuts you off and they cuss you out, and all of a sudden, oh, they want to tell me something? I want to tell you. You got to kill that sinful nature. That old nature that just wants to rise up. Kill that thing. Tell your neighbor to kill that thing. See, I need to realize that my biggest enemy isn't Satan. My biggest enemy is me. Listen, this is very important. This is the whole reason why I say this. Satan doesn't have enough power to send me to hell. Listen to me. I'm going to say this one more time because far too often we give the enemy too much credit for what he doesn't deserve. Satan doesn't have enough power to send me or you to hell. God has already given us the power. The Bible says that we are overcomers. So if you and I are an overcomer, then where did the enemy get this power to all of a sudden take us to hell? No, it didn't happen. Jesus, when he died, he took the keys from death, hell, and the grave. You and I are an overcomer. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? See, we need people, especially Christians in the church, that will stop blaming others for our very own downfalls, shortfalls, and pitfalls. It's very important. Because we say, man, it's her fault, or it's their fault, or they should have called me, or they should have texted me, they should have emailed me, they should have come over the house, they should have done, they should have prayed with me, they should, they they, 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 they. Oh my gosh! Be quiet! That's the worst rap song of all time. They stop. Stop. By putting the blame on others, you are not understanding that you're not killing that sinful nature; you're letting it grow. You're letting it grow. Listen, I want you to know something right now. This now, this may be an illumination to everybody, but Pastor Greg is not perfect. I know, I know, I know. I apologize. Maybe I said it out of context, but I just I had to tell the truth. I just had to tell the truth. I want to tell the truth, right? Right, sister Debbie? I had I just had to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Here's another truth. Pastor Stefan. He's not perfect. I know, I know, I know that I, I I'm probably shattering some, you know, schemes and the way you guys looked at me in perspectives. I understand that, but I'm not perfect. I know. It seems like blasphemy, but it's the truth. <laughs> now guess what? Now that everybody laughed at me and Greg, I'm gonna give you another eye opening, breaking news. You are not perfect. Okay, I know some of you are like, should I clap? Should I? Yes, you can clap that you're not perfect. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have it all together. Why? Because the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. And he's fighting for you. And when you understand these things, the battles just seem all that much more different. You understand that you can never get sucker punched because he's with you. He's right there. He's fighting for you. Can I hear an amen? Now, what's very important, I was reading this, and this is what really got me to study these points in particular. But years ago, as Hitler, his appetite for territory and power really grew. His army began to march across Europe. And in some cases, as they would march across, the fight could hardly be even called a battle. But let me tell you why. The German army advanced with its tanks and with its technology their, and with their advanced weapons. In some of the underdeveloped nations, their armies made a futile effort to resist Hitler's aggression. This is how they fought back. They fought back against tanks and advanced technology with spears and rocks. So when they went in, it was no contest at all because these nations were not equipped for war. The same could be said of you and I. If we are not equipped for war, then we're just throwing little pebbles at a tank. We're just throwing little pebbles at a tank. Now, this is very important to me because a lot of times this is what happens. And, and, and if we're honest, when many of you, when you used to get into it, or you would get into a heated discussion or a heated, you know, with your family or something, what would you do? You would throw a pebble at it, and that pebble was called a beer, Right? Well, you know what? I'm just gonna go smoke a cigarette, man. I'm gonna go drink a beer, 'cause I got. And you're just throwing a pebble at a tank. Nothing is being accomplished. Nothing at all. Because you think, this is what I got to do, release. No, you are not understanding the strategy of the battle. Here this morning, I want to give you the strategy and the weapons that the enemy uses against you. Are you ready here this morning? This is very important. There are three things that we can expect from the enemy. The Bible tells us in Ephesians six twelve. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this dark world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. And there's three weapons that we need to understand that they come against us and they try to get us to struggle. Are you ready? I'm going to give you three really quick. Number one, the enemy comes with the weapon of deception. Deception. What is deception? It is to deceive somebody. It means to make another person believe a lie or something that is not true. See, when the enemy sends deception your way, it is an attempt to deceive you into believing into something that is not true so that you will then fall into error. So it's not just the fact that you believe the lie, but you walk in the lie. That's what deception is. Very important. It's not just so much that the enemy loves that you would believe the lie, but you're going to walk in the lie. You're going to live that kind of lie. And what happens is that in this deception arena, what is being built is a stronghold. Now, a stronghold is formed when deception takes hold in a person's mind. A stronghold is this, an incorrect thinking pattern that stems from believing something that is not true. Perfect example. When you grew up, you were told you're an idiot. So from the age of 3, 4, and 5 all the way up to 15 to 17 to 18, you have a thinking pattern is that I'm just an idiot anyways. I'm just a loser anyway. That's what a stronghold is. You're always going to be ugly. You're always going to be fat. You're always going to be stupid. You're always going to be a dummy. You're, and you see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, these deceptions, these lies come in and go, well, I'm just always going to be like this. I'm always going to be poor. I'm always going to be messed up. Nobody loves me anyways. And so because you believe that lie, everything else that tries to come in that's truth cannot infiltrate, and it sounds like a lie to you. You ain't never going to get married. Who loves you? You're messed up. You're a single mom. You got three kids. Who wants three kids? Now, you, see, you see this pattern? See, the pattern that comes in, you're never going to have that. You're never going to do this. You're never, you're never, you're never, you're nev- never, 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 never. And the deception comes in, and the stronghold takes place. And so when the enemy comes in with a stronghold, when the truth tries to infiltrate, the walls are already there. You can never do it. You've already been messed up. We've already used you. We've spit you out already. See, from the very beginning, this is what the enemy did even to Eve. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, it talks about it, about how the devil had told Eve that she will not surely die as she would in the book of Genesis chapter 2. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen to me. Demolish. This is very important. For those of you that say, man, I have this pattern. It just tells me I'm always going to be like that. I'm always going to do that. I'm always going to do this. You know what you have to do is you've got to demolish it. You know how to demolish it? Have you ever seen those big cranes, right? And at the end, they have that big old boulder at the end of it. Now, if you've ever seen those, have you guys ever seen those? I know you've seen them on TV, but have you ever seen them up close? Those things are huge. They are humongous. But they're operated, listen to me, they're operated by somebody who knows what they're doing. Listen to me. That's Jesus calling right there. They're operated by somebody who knows what they're doing. So when you're getting ready to demolish something, get somebody around you who knows what they're doing. Partner up with somebody who's going to help you through those times who has maybe even been there or, and done that. Or even if they haven't been there or done that, they still know what they're doing. Because when you do that, you can demolish everything. And you see the walls of single parenthood. You see the walls uh, uh, of legacy, of curses that have always told you you're never going to make it. You're going to get divorced just like your dad did. You're going to get divorced just like your mom did. You're going to leave your children just like your parents did. And all these walls and all these things that are around you. And you say, no. Greater is he that is in me than he that has the walls around me and I'm ready to demolish every high thing that calls itself against the nature and the knowledge of God. Gotta demolish those things, those lies that infiltrate that tell you you're never gonna be anything. Listen, my friend, you are something great in Christ. You are something great in Christ. Listen to me, victory outrage. You are something great in Christ. I don't care what the world told you. I don't care what the enemy has told you. You are someone great in Christ. You are a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. You're 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 new. new. Get rid of the old. Get rid of that old pattern. Get rid of that old thinking. You got to demolish that thing. And then it says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive. So you know what that means? It means that you have to grab a hold of that thing after it's been demolished. See, this is the great, great thing I love about war. Is that after you kill it, you keep it and you make it obedient to Christ. You say this, see this God? This is what happened. See, my parents divorced, but I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to give it to you. You can have that because I want a healthy marriage. That's what I want. That's what I need. So I'm going to take every thought that has told me I'm supposed to divorce and I'm going to put it right there. God, that's yours. I took a cap- You know what captive is? Captive, you guys know what a captive is. Come on, don't make me break out the handcuffs for those of you. You take it, you grab a hold of it. Now, this is very important. You grab a hold of it You grab a hold of it. You. 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 Somebody should do this for me. You. I should call my pastor. He should. You. You grab a hold of it. You put it captive under God and say, okay, God, I am never going to worry about that ever again. I am never going to say that word divorce in my marriage ever again. I am never going to even think about running away from my family ever again. It's not going to happen. It's demolished. It's gone. And I'm ready to build anew. God has made you new. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. After deception, I want to go real quick. After deception becomes temptation. Temptation often follows deception. First the enemy tells us, you won't surely die. Then he makes the fruit on the forbidden tree look very good to us. See, since Eve accepted Satan's lie, now the tree that she was not supposed to touch looked good to her. She was tempted or enticed to sin because she allowed herself first to be deceived. See, temptation is when we are enticed or encouraged to sin in one way or another. If you guys remember in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus was went and taken out to the desert to be tempted by the enemy, the devil tried to convince Jesus that it would be harmless to jump off a building. See, oftentimes, many times, the enemy will try to draw us and tempt us into sexual immorality. Why? Because the enemy first has deceived us in telling us that it's harmless and it's fun. What is the big deal? There is no need to worry about it. But see, Jesus saw through Satan's deception, and he was able to resist the temptation by speaking God's word. Are you hearing me? The deception trying to come in and infiltrate through temptation, but how he was able to resist it was by knowing God's word. Listen to me. We are in a battle right now for our high schools and our junior highs. And we're thinking, What's the harm? It's no big deal. It is not a big deal whatsoever. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, those bathroom things are a big deal to me. Maybe not a big deal to you. Maybe it's, it's, hey, what's the big deal? It's harmless. Maybe that's for you. But I'm just telling you right now, I saw that whole thing, and I I listened to the the president's speech, and I heard that whole thing, and I was like, okay, all right. I see where you're going with this. Uh, You can go everywhere else with it, but not with my four children, but that's perfectly fine. I don't mind it. You want to do that? But it's not going to happen here. Because as for me in my house, we go into a men's bathroom if I'm a man. And the women go into a women's bathroom if she's a woman. That's just the way that it is. Now, you can take whatever other bathroom you want, but amen, praise the Lord, these are my bathrooms. See, it starts really simple. And, and for those of you that are even fighting this battle right now, I know what I'm saying. I know who I'm talking to. Because I understand we're in this deceived world that just says, What's the big deal? Who cares? I'm not affecting you. What I do with my body is my concern. What I do with my money, what I do with my life, what I do with my my what I do with me is only it only affects me. That's the deception. Then from the deception comes the temptation. And it starts going, okay, now we're gonna open the door. Let's see who's gonna walk in it. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Psalms chapter 119, verse 11 says, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, this is very important. When you read that scripture and it says, I hide thy word in my heart, it doesn't mean I put it in there and I keep it in there, and then all of a sudden it becomes peek Put it, no, hide it, hide it, hide it, right? You hide it like an Easter egg hunt. Like hide it, hide it, just put it in there. No one can see. no, 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 no. no. That's not what it means. It means put it right there. So that way, there is no way that sin can infiltrate your heart. Put it right there. It is a spiritual bulletproof vest. Thy word. I want to challenge some of you. Some of you that are saying, well, how do I know? What What does the Bible say? This is very important. Not what does your pastor say, because I just gave you my opinion right now. That's just my opinion. But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say concerning this? And this is very important. In in the the month of November, I just want you to know right now, I want you to invite as many LGBT community people as you can. Invite them all. I want to pack this place out with men and women who believe in homosexuality. I know, you're like, what, pastor? (gasps) Yeah, why not? Some of you guys were crack addicts. We let you come into this church. Majority of you, matter of fact, we should have never let you in this church because you stole every Bible that was around just so you can roll it for a joint and took off with it, ripped the paper. <laughs> Amen. Powerful word. True story, by the way. I know somebody in this building that actually did that. So don't look at me and say, oh, my gosh, he wants the homosexuals. Yeah, I would love to have homosexuals in our church. Why not? Why can't we? Bring them in. It's perfectly fine. See, but if you don't have the word in your heart, you're, <gasps> you're not ready. You're not prepared. You're not ready for the battle that's coming your way. See, I'm fine with it. I have perfectly no problem with it. I actually just had to bury my cousin, her and her her wife. We were out there, and we had to do the the funeral for her. I understand what what was taking place, what's going on. So, and I say the month of November, let me get back to my point. The month of November, we're going to be bringing in a speaker who wrote a book, and you can read it yourself. It's called A Queer Thing Happened in America. Powerful book. His name is Dr. Michael Brown. You can look him up. I'm saying I don't normally people say people's names. But look him up. Go for it. Dr. Michael Brown, you'll find all his videos on YouTube. I saw him on CNN with the whole debate. And he was debating Piers Morgan and some other people. And they were they were talking about, well, what's wrong? It was at the, the peak of the Duck Dynasty. You guys remember that? Oh, if you're against homosexuality, you're a bigot. You remember that? You're, oh, that's bigotry. You get... Well, Where does it say bigotry? Actually, my Bible says that a man should not lie with a man. It says it right here. The man was made for a woman. It's all right here. See, but when you believe the lie, temptation just seems harmless. It's just harmless. No big deal. What's the big deal? No, my friend, your purpose is a big deal. It is a very big deal. See, that is why you and I as Christians must understand that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a sound mind. It all comes together. And when you understand that your weapon is not carnal, but it is a pulling down, and you begin to get that power that's deep inside of you, and you see the invisible, and you bring it into the visible, and you take down every stronghold, and you make it captive, and you make it obedient unto God, you become a man and a woman of God who is filled with the holy ghost come out of your field with the holy ghost give the lord a hand of praise the last one and i close with this deception temptation as the last one is the weapon of accusation accusation the devil is known as the accuser of the brethren revelation chapter 12 verse 10 then i heard a loud voice in heaven say now have Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. See, he is known to take a believer who has done an embarrassing or gross sin in their past and continue to rub it in their faces and beat them down, listen to me, with guilt and condemnation over their past. Beats them down with guilt and and condemnation from their past see when you and I have disobeyed God Satan moves in for his finishing touch he attacks us in our heart and even in our conscience. so you're a Christian not a very good one you mean you go to church you read your Bible man look at what you just did you don't even deserve a Bible You don't deserve to go to church. I can't believe. Man, if people only knew what you did at your house, ooh, I'm not one to say anything. I ain't going to say nothing. I'm just saying you don't deserve to go to church. You ain't a very good Christian. The accuser of the brethren. If they really knew what you did at home, they would throw you out to church, but I ain't going to say nothing. Do you see how cunning and how sly the devil is? Do you see how manipulative he is? See, first, before we sin, he's tempting us with, you can get away with it. Nobody knows. It's not a big deal. What's the, what's, no harm, no foul, right? Come on. It's not a big deal. And then after you sin, you say, oh, you ain't never going to get away with that. Wait a second. Just a little while ago, you said, "Uh, no big deal. I can do it. But now you're accusing me, telling me, why do I even go to church? What's going on here? You see what the enemy does? How he comes in and he tries to turn around and twist the word of God. See, when you listen to the enemy's accusations, you open up yourself to despair and even spiritual paralysis. You begin to think my situation is hopeless. Man, I'm too far far gone. They'll, They'll never take me back. I can never get the hope that is found, that I hear about, that is in Christ. But this is what's very important, and I close with this. When it comes to the spiritual warfare, this is very important to me, especially within the city of Hayward right now and even in the East Bay area, that it is time for you and I to take back what is rightfully ours. Listen to me. It is time to take back what is rightfully ours. Your children don't belong to the school system, they belong to you. Listen to me. Your family does not belong to the latest movie or the latest media craze. It belongs to you. Your finances don't belong to the latest gadget. It belongs to you. Far too. No, I gotta go get that. I gotta do this. I gotta go here. I gotta have that. I gotta no, no. You don't have to. What you need to do is do is you need to learn the weapons of your warfare. Learn your weapons. These are the enemy's weapons. He wants to deceive you. He wants to distract you. He wants to guilt you. He wants to put condemnation in your life. And then he wants to accuse you. Say, you ain't never going to make it. Your family's never going to do it. Your husband's never going to change. Your wife is never going to change. That's never going to happen. Might as well just give up now. But that's where the Bible says, greater is he that is inside of me than he that is trying to accuse me of the world. See, when you understand this, then you know that the weapons of the warfare that you fight with, it's not to fight against your brother, your coworker, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle. You're not fighting against them. But you are fighting against everything that tries to infiltrate the truth that is inside of you. See, if Christ is inside of you, then he is the way, the truth and the life. That's what he is. This is very important to me because I know we're fighting a family, family, family battle right now within our church. We're fighting some family battles. And I keep saying that it's very important. I'm going to speak a message next week about family. It's very, very important to me. But we're fighting even some family battles even right now in the spirit. See, we don't see it and how I said this is a perfect example. We shake everybody's hand. Hey, how you doing? Good. But at home, you're like, you know what? I'm going to divorce you if you do that one more time. See, we, we don't see it. Over here, It's everything's great. But you go to bed at night, like, I don't want to sleep with her. I don't want to sleep with him. He gets on my nerves. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't even say my name. Don't even breathe my air. Ugh. Just irritates me. Because somehow, someway, the enemy has come in and he's lied to you. Saying, your husband's worthless. Your son or daughter, they ain't never going to change. They're going to go to jail for the rest of their life. Just leave them be. Who cares? What's the big deal? What good is your work? Look, look last time you went and talked to them, they didn't even listen to you. They closed their eyes and closed their ears. They didn't want to hear you. You're just, you're just breathing air. No big deal. See, but I don't know about you, but, man, that gets me riled up. That gets me riled up. No, this can't happen. This can't take place. Listen to me, Victory Outreach. I know what I'm talking about. If you remember even a few weeks ago when I talked about when me and my wife, remember I told you we were kissing and we kissed for a long time? You guys remember that? Pastor Paul, we were kissing for a long time. (laughs) Can I be honest and transparent with you? Before we were kissing, we were fighting. We we're fighting. We we're yelling at each other. I don't yell. That time I yelled, right? I don't yell. My wife knows. I don't yell I, I hate yelling. I'll do it, you know. Yeah, we have to. I can play sports. Yeah, you know. It's just passionate. But when we fight, I don't yell. That day I was yelling. Mad! stupid devil man, I was upset, frustrated, just got back from Africa, power of God was just all over the place, people were getting healed, getting slain, people getting saved and I come off the plane and I'm fighting, what in the world is going on, how does this happen, I thought everything was supposed to be great. We were supposed to smile. I thought we were supposed to hold hands and spin in the rain. And if it wasn't raining, I would have had Elijah just hold the water up. Sss. Right? That's how we think it is. That's how we want Wouldn't it be nice if every scene was the notebook? Oh, babe, I miss you. I love you. You're the greatest. The problem with that movie is that it ends. It's over. But in marriage, right when you think, all right, it's over again. But I've already learned, and my wife knows this, I'm not fighting her. I'm not trying to fight her. I need to fight the desire in me to try to tell her off. That's what I need. Ooh. Ooh. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you that are not married, you're probably just kind of laughing at me like, ha, ha, pastor. <laughs> those of you that are married, you're like, oh, jeez." Because <laughs> you know it's, it's not easy. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be transparent because, of course, we, we won the battle, as you could tell. We kissed. Hallelujah. And that's one thing my wife knows. Ever since we got married, she'll tell you, ever since we got married, when we fight and we make up, I make it a point. Okay, if I really know you're sorry, what are you going to do? Kiss me, right? I, I want to kiss. I, I got to kiss. And believe me, because I know you women, okay, fine, or whatever, whatever, we're done. But for me, I'm like, oh, no, 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 we ain't done. I need a kiss. And I go, kiss me. He said, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not leaving it to you. Mm mm, mm mm, mm mm, mm mm, mm mm. But I'll be the first to tell you, no, no, no. No, I'm not leaving. I am not leaving because I need to make sure. At this because we're going to go into another battle so I want to make sure that this battle is with the Lawrence we're done and many times uh, mm, mm, and we'll kiss and then how I know is because when my wife kisses me I, I pull away and then she holds me she hold me because I thought, okay. Boom, got the kiss. She says, no, just stay here a little bit longer. Fight with me. Fight for me. Listen to me, husbands. You need to fight for your wife. You need to fight for your children. You need to fight. The enemy is trying to entice, entangle, tempt, deceive, guilt. Your children You need to fight for them. You fight for them. You turn everything off. Listen to me. You leave work. Fight for your kids. Fight for your wife. But I got to make money. What would you rather have? You make money or you make your marriage? You tell, no, 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 no. Fight. And many of you have been fighting. You haven't, it's been tough. We've been believing with you. We've been praying with you. It's not easy. These battles are not easy. In any way, shape, or form. I acknowledge that. I know that. But I want you to understand something. I'm fighting too. We're, I mean, me and my wife, are, we're good right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I like to keep it like that. Just to prove it to you. Let me just prove it to you. <laughs> we're good. We're fine. But, you know, I'll I'll even kiss her even when we are mad at each other. I still kiss her anyways. I just love kissing her. She's got kissable lips. Praise the Lord. But even sometimes when I don't want to, I got to do it. Ah, Come on. Got to love your wife even when she's unlovable. Listen, Christ loves you not because you're lovable but because he's loving That's just the way that it is. You're not all that. I'm not all that. Christ still died for you. And that's why husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And for those of you moms, you're single, you love your children like Christ loved the church. And as you love your children, God will bring somebody in your life that will love you the same way in due time, in due season. Don't rush that season. Trust me. Trust me. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. You got eternal life. (laughs) No need to rush it. But I just want to make it very clear. I know we're in a battle right now for our families. Five times, six times, seven times over. The enemy just really hates Victory Outreach, heart of the Bay families right now. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. I should say, what am I saying? I do know why. Because we're doing some great things. We're doing some powerful things. There's something that is stirring up within the heart of the bay. God is doing some powerful things in the heart, building families, raising up husbands, raising up wives, raising up children, men and women of God. They're coming out of the home that are ready to do God's will. Some powerful things are happening in the heart of the bay. And listen, if the, if the enemy's going to hit us, we got to get ready to hit back. Heart of the bay, are you ready to hit back? Are you ready to hit back? We're in a war and it is time to battle. Battle for our marriages. Battle for our kids. Battle for our finances. Battle for our families. Battle for the city of Hayward once again. Come on, stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. The one who is greater, who's inside of you, than he that is around you. I want to challenge you, heart of the bay. We're in a fight, in a battle. Don't fight your boss. Listen to me. If you're late to work, that's not your boss's fault. You're late to work. Stop doing that. Those are the, see, the, those are the simple battles. Those are the little battles. Just show up on time. It's the ones that are out of your control, the unfair fights. The one that, man, that's not fair. Show up to work, it's fair. But when people gossip about you, I didn't even do anything. Okay, it's an unfair fight. I get it. I know you didn't do that. People talking about you, spreading rumors about you. I get it, I understand, that's a sucker punch. But it's okay. Understand the devil's schemes. Understand what he's trying to do to you. And once you understand it, you go, hey, I'm gonna put down the rock and I'm gonna fight a tank with a tank. I got a tank too. I got a demolition team too. I got a whole life group with me too. I got prayer warriors with me too. I got people around me that are believing with me too. I got people that know how to fight, too. Listen, I want you to know something. Here in the heart of the bay, we got a lot of men and women that have been fighting for years. People that have been fighting, that have been putting their hands to the plow, that have been going at it year after year. Listen, don't think for a second that just because you see the pastors and the leaders, oh, they got it all together. No, by, by no means do we have it all together. The only thing that we're great at doing is we can fight. We can fight. I may not have all the greatest, most eloquent words, but I can fight. I may not have it all together, have the most money, but I can fight. I may not preach the most perfect message, but I can fight. See, that's what I love about people that come behind this pulpit. They might not come to you with the most powerful, most eloquent, most precise, clear message, but man, they can fight. They can fight. Listen to me, victory average heart of the bay. We're raising up fighters. Fighters. Men and women that know how to fight, not with these.